Oh, it's bright here. <laughs> Good morning. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, sorry we missed. We were supposed to come four years ago, and I got pneumonia, and couldn't make it, so it's, it's good to be here this time. Um, just um, so you know, I, I didn't realize we were going to be introduced before. We don't have the PowerPoint yet, so um, I thought I'd just show a picture of our family real quick. Um, our kids were a big part of our, our lives. That's them. Um, we've been in Japan 27 years, so that's probably about 22 years ago. And that's us in Hokkaido, and there they are now. And so they've grown up, and they, we're just happy they all love Jesus. And so um, we thank the Lord for that. Um, yeah, Joel's in Indonesia with MAF. Brenton's um, with I Am, a mission in um, Bulgaria. And Chad is heading for Central Asia. So I don't think we're ever going to get to see our grandkids, sadly. <laughs> but um, God is good. There we go. Um, yeah, before we start, let's, let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you that, Lord, we are here for you. We exist because of you. All we are belongs to you. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness over all these years that you have sustained us. Each one of us sitting here, Lord, we know your goodness. We've sung of it this morning. So, Lord, help us as we open your word, Lord, that we would really take in what you have, Lord. We realize this is your word. It's not my word. So, Lord, take these words and use them for your glory. We ask in Jesus' your name. Amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I will have the, the verses up on the, um, the PowerPoint for you. Um, but just coming back from Japan, I think we always get asked certain questions. And one of the most common ones is, is what do you like about Japan, about life in Japan? And so um, one of the things we like, the food. It's really big. No. <laughs> um, no, we, we do enjoy the food, um, mostly. I, I love the sushi and the ramen and, and different things. That's one of the things we enjoy about Japan. We can get some good uh, food as well. And, and there's, good, there's like interesting cultural events that we can join in. Sadly, many of them are Buddhist-based or Shinto-based, so the culture ties in deeply to the religion. Um, we do enjoy... Uh, Public transport. We're riding bikes. We ride our bikes around, um, and we enjoy public transportation on the trains. Um, that's really, we've gotten used to that being in Tokyo now. Um, the thing is, it's really a safe culture. Um, we find first graders riding the train by themselves to, to school, and it's it's not a concern at all. So we really enjoy that about the culture as well. And um, generally, it's they're very um, kind people. It's a very, the service is very good in Japan. Um, when you leave the gas station, you know, they, they go outside and they bow to you as you leave. And it's, it's just really, really good service overall. Um, but there's one more thing that I've come to understand about this culture is um, there's, a, there's something about the culture that makes them want to be kind and generous. And that is, um, there's kind of a law in Japan, it's like 
It's don't be a bother to others. And that is a deep motivation underneath everything that we, a lot of what we see in Japan. It's this desire not to be offensive to other people. Um, I, I found a good illustration of that on the train one day. And here's the sign that says, it's painful to get caught between the closing doors. Even more so are the eyes of those looking at you. <laughs> you see what they're doing there? The cultural pressure of not being a bother to someone else is so strong that that's going to hurt you worse than getting slammed in the door. Um, and, and that's just, it, it reminded me that, wow, how strong are motivations? And motivations are, are, are so strong in, in all of us, in what we do, how we act, things we say, we're motivated by so much. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Corinth about this, in 2 Corinthians 5. And the context here is he had seen some motivations, some wrong motivations in the past that had driven the church and really caused damage in the church. Some of the things that he saw in 1 Corinthians were division and fighting within the church. We see that division motivated probably by selfishness, selfish desires. I don't like this. You know, why do we do this? Um, there's, there was immorality in the church. And obviously there's desires, wrong motivations going on there. There were lawsuits among the church, people within the church, just, just wrong motivations coming out into actions and causing dissension in the church. And Paul wrote directly to deal with those things. And then we come to 2 Corinthians where we see that Paul comes back and, and reminds the people, this is our motivation. And this is a verse in verse five, or chapter 5, verse 14. He says, he, he's reminding the church exactly of what's, um, what we as believers are. He says, for the love of Christ... Sorry, I went too far. Hey, come on, guy. Okay. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. The NIV says compels us. And so the, the, the picture there in the, in, the, in the Greek is basically, it's, you're, you're, there's nothing else I can do. You know, like the, the Japanese feel like there's nothing else. They have to conform. But in, in this case, it says the love of Christ controls us or compels us. The love of Christ on me is so strong, I, I just, I, I, I need to do this. It's something I, I have to do, not in a negative way. Because we, we see this, this love of Christ, we need to, to really unpack that. What is that love of Christ? What's he talking about? We, we've just sang a lot of what we're talking about, the love of Christ. And, and you know, how, how it's unconditionally God's love for us. It's, and I'll just, where we saw this was, oops, I'm sorry, I keep going the wrong way. Um... In 1 Corinthians 1.4, he says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you. So we see the, the love of Christ, I, I see it as directly tied to the grace of God. Each one of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we know that God, God loves us just as we are and, and, and accepts us. We're fully just, the grace of God is so great. That's what we just sung about. 
And he continued in chapter 1, he says, for, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. See, this is, this is all that we have in the Holy Spirit. Is, is just all knowledge and all speech. The, the, the power of God in us to bring us that peace that we sang about. We say, he says, you do not lack in any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus. God is faithful. You see, this is, this is the, the life in Christ, the, the love of God for each one of us. And it's important that we, that we start there and that we continue there and stop there. The gospel is everything that we need. And this is, the, this is what Paul says, is the love of Christ compels us. It's the gospel that compels us. For the love of Christ controls us, for we have concluded this, that one, died, one has died for all, and therefore all died. So you see, there's just that connection of Christ and the gospel. His love for us, it draws a response from us. This is the conclusion of what that is doing in us. It's God's love for us that we've been fully given everything we need in Christ. And Paul continues in this verse, he says, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Now, we're convinced that one died for all. That's Jesus. He died for all. And this word convinced is to, to have made a final judgment. Are you convinced that Jesus' death for you is everything? Are you convinced? Or are there other things that you feel, I need, but I need Jesus and this. If I have this, then I'm happy. Because I, I think it's easy to do that sometimes. Oh, if, if, I, if I have, you know, don't have any problems, if my health is just right. You know, there, there, there's, there's sometimes we put conditions on this. Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be content in you. I'm going to be convinced that everything is in you if I have this thing as well. We need that conviction that Jesus is everything. You see, he gave his life for us that we might live unto him. We're convinced of his death and that everything was accomplished through his death. It's, 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 the, it's everything accomplished through his death that really controls us. And that's the conviction that we must hold to. And when we're convinced we can see that, that we're compelled then to live according to that. In 5.15, he says, And he died for all, that those who, might, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Or for, for their sake. Sorry, I memorized it in the NASB, so I apologize for that. It just comes out sometimes. Um, so we see that, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. 
So we see that the, the outcome of this motivational love of Christ says, hey, I'm, I, I no longer live for myself, but I now live for Jesus. And, and, and that, that's the process of our sanctification, I know. We're not perfect. But is that our desire to say, everything, everything I have, God, belongs to you? Because I think that's the point where we need to get to. This is, this is Paul telling us, this is ideal, this is, this is who we are, but we need to actually become living that out. And so we see that this, this conviction, being convinced of the death of Christ, leads us to a, a change of life. Um, the thing is, it's, it's, it can come at great cost. Um, one person that one one of the churches that we work with in Japan has a elder leadership. There's no pastor there, and 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 this one, Mr. Ono, is his name. He became a Christian in high school, and when he came to faith, his family kicked him out of the house. He was he was homeless, but he held firm because he was convinced that Jesus was worth more than everything. And I think I, you, you see that, you say, you know, that, that is faith lived out. He, 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 he does, he acknowledges that, that this is no longer my life. I'm willing to give up whatever for Jesus. That living for Jesus calls me to this. And we saw in the movie last night that, that living for Jesus can cost your life. Um, um, living in submission to God is putting his desires above our own. And that's, that's hard. Because we're, uh, we're all wrestling with this sinful nature within us. I know I do. I struggle, you know, selfish. I fight with Susan sometimes and I repent. <laughs> you know? But, you know, and, and I, it's just the reality of life. We, and we want to take our lives back from God and say, God, this part's mine. And, we, and, and God says, no, it's not. That our lives truly belong to him. And I think when we're convinced in our minds and in our hearts that, that, that Jesus is everything, we are then compelled to live for him. And we see this, it's not just how we live, but the way that we see things in our, heart, in our minds and our hearts. So from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And I think it's, it's, it's easy. I, I find myself in Japan, you know, you see people, oh, look at that person's got orange hair. You know, and, and you're just kind of, <laughs> okay. Or, or we see just tattoos everywhere, you know, and, and you're just kind of enamored with, with the way people look. And I know that coming back to the States, there's a, a lot of political things going on. We can look at people, oh, that person voted for that person, you know, and there's, there's it's easy to look people from, a, from the flesh. And yet, here Paul says, we... From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. And 
I remember as a, as a young Christian, I remember reading second, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, 1. Um, and, and just reading this verse, it, it changed my life. It says, and, and, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once lived, once walked, following the course of this world. And, and that image gave me a picture of people walking dead. Spiritually dead, separated from Christ. And what does that do for you after singing about all the goodness we have in Jesus? All the, the, the hope and the peace that we have. You know, when we realize there's a lost world right outside our door, right outside across the oceans, there's, there's millions who have yet to hear the gospel in a way that they can respond to it. That they might be interested in hearing it. So it's it, this, this, this change in our life, this, the way we view things, the way we live, is, 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 is really something that is really deeply impacts us, I think. When the love of Christ compels us. When we're convinced of that. And I used to think of, of Japan much like was much like America. Oh, they've got churches everywhere. And then we went over there and talking to people who just had no idea who Jesus was. And that was the thing that thought, I thought, that's not fair. Why, why do we have so much and no one cares about them? I think all of this that we're, we're talking about involves change. And, and you all know this verse. You probably memorized it. Therefore, you want to say it? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is, God is about change. He's, he's about change. And it's changing us. He's not about changing our circumstances to make us comfortable. Um, if he was, our lives would be easy. Let's, the, you know, prosperity gospel, there it is. But that's not what we see here. God is about change, but oftentimes those changes are difficult. And it's just, you know, it's so exciting to see God bring change in the life of someone. And I don't know how much you've experienced this, but, but just one example that I can give you of, of ours is Mr. Morita was baptized, or excuse me, I won't go to it. He said, one day he said, can I get baptized if I had a tattoo? Because in Japan, tattoos are bad. You can't go to the public bath or anything. You know, it's the, the mafia has them, basically. But... Um, he came to our church through his Filipino wife, did Bible study with him. He eventually came to Christ, got baptized, and even with his tattoos. And recently, I mean, we've just been staying in contact with him, and he's, he's contacted me and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to seminary. I want to become a pastor. And just to see the, the, the drastic change that God brought in his life, it's such an encouragement to us. You know, this is a miracle. It's, 
He is a trophy of God's grace from what he was to what he is now. And that's the same thing that we want to see in our own lives. I and, and, I, and I, I hope we want to see it in other people's lives as a result of what we're doing, how we're living, and what we're saying. And, you know, when I think about Morita, Mr. Morita, um, you know, it's realizing it's nothing that we did, that it, it's all the grace of God. And, and, and Paul makes that clear. Oh, there he is. That's Mr. Morita. Yeah, he's good. Okay. <laughs> Now, we see all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. So, so we see it, it starts with God's reconciling us, putting us in right relationship with him, and then the changes happen in us. And I think, you know, God, the, the power of God and his reconciling us to him in all our sin. You know, I think of Romans 5. While we were yet sinners, even God's enemies, that he redeemed us and put us into right relationship with himself. So, I think this is, this is where it's often easy to stop and rejoice. Let's just, let's just go eat lunch and go home now. You know, we see that God has reconciled me to him and, and us to him. Let's go have a big party. But you know, you see up there, that's 2 Corinthians, that's 5.18. That's only the first half of the verse. Because there's more. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now see, that's, we see God made us, he gave us the right relationship first. We're fully accepted by God in Christ. But he's also given us a ministry or a role. And this relationship and role, those two things need to go together because we see, we, I mean, the previous verse said, you've been made new. All things become new. What becomes new is not just, what, not just who we are, but also what we do is new. We have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Who's the we in this verse, by the way? Who is it? Go ahead and answer. Each one of us. It's not the pastor or the missionary. It's everybody. And, and this is the struggle that we see in Japan. In Japan, the, prime, the view is, oh, that's the pastor's job or the missionary's job. And the church is not growing. The church is actually shrinking in Japan because more people are dying than people are being baptized. And so we can't lose sight of this fact that this is the body of Christ, that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. This reconciliation is between God and man. That's the primary thing that we're going for. And so... We see here that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And then in verse 19, he, he basically continues on. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we have the ministry, and we have the message. 
What's the message? You know it? It's the gospel. Do you know the gospel enough to share it? See, this is where the equipping of the saints, this is the role of the church, of the pastor, to equip the saints. That we're, we're equipped, that we can share the gospel with, with everybody. But notice here, who is this ministry to and where this message needs to go? Who's, God was reconciling what to himself? The world. Okay, so it's, it's a worldwide call and not counting their trespasses against them or people's trespasses against them. So it's the people of the world. It's, this, is, this is for everywhere. So it's, it's here in Riverside, where you are, and it's in Japan, and in, it's to the ends, of the, world, the ends of the earth. And sadly, I mean, I, I'm always reminded of this in Japan, that they need the gospel. I, I play volleyball and, and, and badminton at the gym, and, there's, and I meet people, new people come all the time, and, and, I, and I say, hey, do you know a Christian? You know, do you, have you, do you know a Christian? Have you ever been to a church? And, and the answer is, is no, never met a Christian. No friends, no Christian friends. No chance of hearing the gospel, basically. Um, there, there was one exception. I was out to, out to eat with the guys after volleyball, and we, I started a conversation, a spiritual conversation going a little bit, and then come to find out there was one guy at the table who was a believer. We were all shocked. He had been there for a while. And, I mean, they had known him for years, but nobody knew he was a Christian. That's sad. Because it's just a, not an understanding of the ministry we've been given to take the message to others. And it's, you know, that's not, sadly, that's not uncommon in Japan. Um, that, but basically we know that we see God's heart for the world. God's heart is for the world. I mean, Cliff's been preaching the last month on, on God's heart for the world, I think. I, he showed me the titles of, of what he told me and what he was doing. You all know this. You, you know. Um, and God's method is men, though. God's method is men. And you and I have this message and the mission. And we do get a clear picture of this in verse 20. There's the guys that I go out to eat with sometimes. Some of them. I'm sorry. He says, but you... Okay, yeah, we skipped that. Okay. So this is in verse 20. says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, again, the world, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. So that's the message we have. Sorry, did I get that? Um, okay, verse 20. Sorry, you need to look in your Bible for that. I made a mistake on the PowerPoint. That's why it's good to have the paper. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this point of we are ambassadors, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador is a representative of one country, goes to another country, and basically shares the heart of this leader to this country. So if we are ambassadors, what's our role? We are to represent God. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're to represent God where? Wherever you are, here, wherever you, wherever you are as a follower of Jesus. You are an ambassador. And um, what do you need to be an, uh, an effective ambassador? Let's say you're an ambassador, but you never talk to the people in the country you go to. Are you effective? What if you go to a, a place and you're an ambassador, and you speak a different language than they do. Are you effective? No. So you need to be in contact with them. You need to have clear communication. And one more thing that we need as believers is Christ-like character. You need those three things in your life. You need Christ-like character. You need to be in contact with non-believers. And you need to know how to communicate clearly the gospel in a way that they're going to understand. Without those, if you think about your life right now, do I have these three things? Because if not, you will not be an effective ambassador for Christ. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that we're, we, we, have, we have to do that with our missionaries. We need to train our missionaries that we're coming out on the field. And, and what does it mean to be effective? And so that's just, just something. If, if we truly are ambassadors, we need to say, am I being an effective ambassador? Because we are God's representative to the world, wherever we are. And it does start right here in Riverside, for, for you who live here. And just finishing up this passage, um, it says, For our sake he, God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This I've heard called this the big exchange. Jesus did everything. We received it by his grace. And I think this, this takes us back to the beginning when we understand that, that everything is Jesus. That love will compel us that we will live for him. We will no longer live for ourselves, but we'll live for him. We'll desire the change that, that he'll bring in our lives, that we'll say, you know, I, I am an ambassador, God, for you. I am yours. I, tell me, where? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? 
what do you want me to say? I'll, I'll do it. See, it, it starts with the heart. It starts with our hearts. And that's what Paul addressed there. He said, because we are convinced. I have to ask, are you convinced today that Jesus is everything? Because if he is, then I, I truly believe you're going to be more willing to, to make the effort to go and to, to take, the, take on the ministry that God has called us as the church. The ministry of taking this message to the ends of the earth. I mean, even through prayer, um, the many ways, um, Cliff has mentioned the six ways, I believe, um, and we can talk about that later. Um, but just being involved in the world, but also, I think it has to start right here with each of us and saying, okay, number one, who can I begin to pray for? Where can I make contacts with individuals? You know, because growth needs to come in the church from every believer. That's what we're not seeing in Japan. And I believe it's a challenge for all of the church. When every believer is mobilized and reaching out to a non-believer, then we can pray for each other. Hey, who are you sharing with? Who's on your heart? You know, what progress are you making? That's, this is what I, I believe, that's what the church is here, that, that, that God's, when God sees the church, he sees every single believer as a minister taking the message. And I think that's my heart as, as we come back. It's, it's my heart for the church in Japan, and we're doing all we can to see that. And it's my, my heart for the church here, wherever we go, just to see God glorified in every single person. So let's pray to that end. Father God, thank you that, Lord, you, you love us more than we can ever imagine or think. Lord, that we can rest in your love today knowing that we're fully accepted by you and loved by you. And, and that's, that's where we need to be. But Lord, you don't leave us there. You desire change in us, Lord. You desire to make us into the likeness of Christ. Lord, who, who looked at the multitudes and, and just had compassion for them. Lord, give us your heart. Give us your heart for the world and for our neighbors and everyone we come into contact with. Lord, that they might be reconciled to you for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right, well, if you guys want to stand with me one last time, we'll close with some worship.